Greetings programs and welcome to the Awesome Friday Podcast, a podcast where we speak about two movies every week, so naturally we'll be speaking about two TV shows this week. My name is Matthew and with me as always is Simon. Say hello. Hello. Simon. How hello, are you today? Everyone. How are you this well, week, this weekend? I, this last 10 days has been a COVID blur. <laughs> I, w- I would like to say that, dear listeners, I was hoping you could hear a difference in me. Uh, sounding better but i'm not entirely sure you can because it's it is persistent it's a persistent little prick covid i i do feel better although i did have to have an afternoon nap although i'm not sure if that's covid or me just being 45 now but uh either way i needed to have that nap after a very busy morning but i'm okay Mm. both both me and my wife are, are going kind of up and down we're mostly better but now and again we have like these ridiculous relapses but um it's 10 days now since uh, symptoms began, which means I can go out. Even if I've still got symptoms, I can go out unmasked. I'm not transmissible anymore. I'm, f- I'm free. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that was a, the, new, the new guidance. I thought you were well, supposed to I, stay home if you had symptoms. The So on Monday, last Monday, which was the last day of Fan Expo, and it was my birthday, because I felt so much better on Sunday, I was like, tell you what, I've got one test left out of pure precaution i'm going to take it in the morning but i'm going to go to fan expo i'm going to take my kids to fan expo because i could i should have been going on a saturday for my birthday and so i got up on monday uh for my birthday i'm like oh i still feel a little bit tired but that's probably just because it's my birthday and blah 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 and uh i took the test and it was like if you've ever taken a COVID test, which I know you have, but I mean, you listeners, you get two lines. You get a control line and then T, I don't know what T stands for, test maybe. The uh, If you have a line there, the even a very faint line means you're positive and a very dark line means you have maximum viral load, which sounds very, very pornographic. So I was expecting like nothing. And... Uh, I looked at it after 50 minutes and it was like someone had taken a marker and drawn <laughs> the thickest, darkest line across T. I'm like, oh shit. And so I started Googling, thinking, well, can I go out in an N95? It's my fifth day. I should be fine. And all, this, all the websites I read were like, hey, guess what? <laughs> Omicron hangs around much longer than the other versions. And your biggest day will be probably day six. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. And um, you, if you still are testing positive or if you still have symptoms, like, uh, then you shouldn't go out before day 10. By day 10, even if you've got a faint line on your positive thing, even if you've still got mild symptoms, so not like really productive stuff, just like tickling up, you can go out. You're fine. By day 10, you're not transmissible anymore. Um, it's just really annoying. Oh, am I boring you? This no, is, see, I'm just quite tired. This is, this is how I have felt for the last 10 days. So thank you for being sympathetic. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's remarkable that, you know, given that I work with the public in my day job, that I haven't had it that I, as far as I'm aware yet. But uh, I'm glad you're through it. I, I, better. So I got I'm, it from my kids. And I'm glad your kids seem to have just shrugged it off. Yeah, they did. They did really quickly, which is really nice. But I think I, as long as you are not kissing and embracing your customers i don't know what customer service works like in products these days but um as long as you're not being physical with them you've got a far better chance with kids you don't really stand any chance whatsoever but um try not to leap on your customers yeah i'll do what i can (laughs) how are you tell me about your life in the last week oh it's been great i uh, uh nothing i've just been working <laughs> and going to school and trying to yeah. fit in watching stuff for our podcast so mm-hmm. um well it's pretty boring i don't even have a good <laughs> i got sick story to tell at the moment which is fine i do really. i do find this whole thing about talking about two tv shows a little um uh it's it's quite hard to focus on anything that isn't fucking russia or putin at the moment and and we're not i don't think we're going to talk about it much are we but i'm i'm finding everything a little um unimportant at the moment do you know what i mean yes i mean parts of the world are on fire yeah not just not just figuratively anymore Uh, 
But, yeah, um, I mean, this is day. We're recording this on what I believe is day four of Russia's invasion yeah. of the Ukraine, and the whole thing seems effed up. And uh, it feels it feels a little bit like 1939, and I'm choosing not to focus on that today. Yes, indeed. Okay, so, so what are we going to talk about today? <laughs> So we have two TV shows to talk about. Uh, one from Apple TV Plus, which has just had its seventh of eight episodes broadcast uh, yesterday, actually, called The After Party. And another one that's coming out this coming Thursday from uh, Hulu in the States and Disney Plus here in Canada called The Dropout, which is the Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos story. And we're going to start with The After Party because uh, well, we've, we've, we've seen the, an equal number of it and it's already almost done. So we're going to talk about that one first. Um, why don't you give us a rundown on the, the after party, Simon, just give us the Coles notes version of right. the after party. So I'm going to be very, very careful with this because this, you, the, the more you watch, the more you learn, but the general synopsis is there is a high school reunion with a bunch of people at the high mm-hmm. school reunion and they all have the like, lingering feelings about each other, good feelings, bad feelings and so on. Um, and, um, one of their group is now a like mega pop star, like mm-hmm. mega star Xavier, yeah. um, and and it it does remind me of he's a pop star. Keep on never stop popping or whatever it's called. Never stop stopping that kind of pop star. Like he's wearing an open like gleaming uh, uh, like suit jacket. He's got bleach tips. <laughs> he's he talks in like the cool sort of um, pop star cool. And he's, he's, I mean, it's, it's Dave Franco and Dave Franco can do shit eating grin, like really, really well. And um, uh, everyone is either kind of secretly makes fun of him or is in awe of him for various reasons. And it's a big ensemble piece. So there's lots of different characters who are there for lots of different reasons. And he wants to show off. So he takes a bunch of people back to his, had his beautiful apartment up on a like mountain cliffside for an after party that's why it's called the after party this is after the high school reunion and the very first thing you see in the first episode is him plummeting to his death this is not a spoiler it's like literally the first thing uh hits his hits his head on a rock on a rocky beach and he's dead and the police are called him and a detective played by tiffany haddish is told in no uncertain terms to just take statements and prepare for the proper detective who's coming in the morning. But she sees this as her chance to solve this case. She's really hungry to solve this case. And so she knows she has one night and she wants to try and solve that case in one night by interviewing everyone individually. And each episode is a different account of the story from that person's perspective. And each episode has a different genre as a framing device and it's amazing yeah it's really really quite wonderful actually it's a really first off it's a really good single location murder mystery story everyone with lots of you know interlocking personal histories and lots of red herrings and lots (laughs) of uh lots of motivations and and revelations exactly the kind of thing you want from that kind of story very um uh you know, Agatha Christie-esque, if you will. And then, yeah, every episode is a different genre of TV, and each one of them is amazing. I'm sure uh, you're aware, but maybe our listeners aren't, that this is from Christopher Miller, who is one half of Lord and Miller, who are, of course, the guys who did did and are now doing a reboot of Clone High and the Lego movies and 21 and 22 Jump Street. No, you're missing out there. The best work. I can't reach and, it. Uh, Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. It's cloudy with a chance, chance of meatballs is them, uh, and their best work. Uh, they were the producers, <laughs> but not directors of um, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse mm-hmm. and the forthcoming Into the Spider Verse sequels. Uh, apparently, Christopher Miller has had the show baking in his brain for years now, uh, according to a Twitter thread that I read from Phil Lord, uh, and it really shows. Yeah, it really does. It's so brilliantly put together. I was thinking a lot about how. Like the first episode. So the the first person that is interviewed 
uh, I don't remember her name, but it's a very, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but the genre in which the her story is told is so uh, obvious and different. It's not at all um, in the keeping with the rest of the episode. And it's really, really uh, clever how he started with that because it just, it, it, um, it tells the audience straight away that this is going to happen. It's not a subtle shift. Like some of the other, um, you're talking about the, the first, first, not the first episodes focus, but the first person that gets talked to is a woman and her, her little, does she not do that in the first episode? What's the first episode, but it's only like a few minutes long where she gives yeah. a brief recap of the party and it's yeah, all yeah. French French New Wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, as opposed to the first actual interview, which is an episode long. And it's so well done. And it's um, it kind of sets the tone for this whole, what's going to happen in the whole rest of the show. And what that's what I really love about Lord of Miller stuff is that it's, it's there's so much um, knowledge about what makes a good story and how to tell that story in interesting and fun ways in all of their things. Everything is just so precise. And, and this um, has so many moving parts. It's just really delicious. Sometimes a, a TV show for me gives like, just feels like I'm eating something delicious. Like every mouthful gives me a different flavor and every episode kind of pulls back the curtain in interesting ways. And we've watched seven out of eight episodes now. And so things are starting to reveal themselves a bit more. And um, aside from the the genre um, like leaps, which and they've all been brilliant, they've all been absolutely fantastic. Like maybe we won't ruin all of them, but the um, the nineties uh, high school, like the uh, the party at the guy's house, the other yeah. party, the nineties, is done in like the whole thing is like the opening credits of like Dawson's Creek kind of style. <laughs> uh, and, and it is, it's really clever that it's not going for like stupid parody, right? It's not going for ridiculousness. It's, it's kind of finds it's this middle every, point. I think everything they do, I think everything that Lord Miller, I think what makes Lord and Miller kind of great is that everything they do is clearly a loving homage as opposed to a parody. Yeah, it's a fine line, though. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously, you know, it's the difference between, though, like, making fun with versus making fun of Mm -hmm. someone, right? Like, they're always making fun with. Uh, And yeah, the the, the 90s uh, teen drama episode is pretty great. So great. Uh, I think it also helps that he's managed to assemble, like, a cast of comedy character actor all-stars mm-hmm. uh for this yeah. ensemble with i mean Tith- tiffany haddish in the lead as the detective but sam richardson who had a huge year last year uh with werewolves within um and uh he was in the tomorrow war with chris pratt and he's probably best known to me anyways being a long-running character on veep is is hilarious all the time he's got pitch perfect delivery mm-hmm. uh along with ben schwartz your favorite guy from oh, parks, parks and rec and in this show and ike barinholtz who's always hilarious um uh-huh. and uh zoe chow i'm not too familiar with but she is pretty wonderful as the sort of mm-hmm. unrequited crush from high school uh mm-hmm. and Ileana glazer who has just got that that perfect sort of broken girl energy that she brings to many of her roles uh especially after broad city that she was on and dave franco i mean what what can you say he's he's just he's his superior franco uh the one that has been a big surprise to me even though he shouldn't be is jamie dimitriou who Mm -hmm. plays um a character called walt who i only know from for two things one he was in the first season of um uh, it's gone out of my brain. I can see her face. Posh comedian looks at the camera. Falls oh, in love with the, priest. The, mon- the, mon- the monologue. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, why can't? <laughs> Shit. Why? Did, like what every time that? I need. Every time I need to remember a name. Okay, I'm just gonna Google hot priest, and I'm sorry. What the, what comes up? who's the actor who plays fleabag jesus fleabag there we go that's the one (laughs) so yeah he was in there's two things i know this guy for he was in the first season of fleabag and he is the brother of the Mm -hmm. woman who plays nadja on what we do in the shadows and they're both in eurovision 
which yeah, is lovely. they're both really always, funny. Yeah. I always like watching brothers and sisters act together. It just makes me feel fun. Yeah, he's he's fantastic in this. And it's weird because his role is to be so much in the background as to be unnoticeable. That's his thing that nobody ever knows who he is, even when they're in his house. Yeah. And and again, it's such a fine line, isn't it? The whole cast is amazing and not overplaying this. But I, I mean, for me, I... I could watch Ben Schwartz and anything, anything. I, I first saw him in the um, comedy specials on Netflix quite recently. I haven't really, because I, I hadn't watched Parks and Rec, so I didn't really know who he was. And he's done three um, long form improvisation specials on Netflix with Thomas Middleditch from uh, that Silicon that, Valley Silicon Valley show um, where they get, I don't know. Have you seen these? these I haven't watched specials? them yet. No, actually. So I've just rewatched one with my wife, but he, they basically get a story at the beginning and then improv for an hour, uh, multiple characters, multiple stories, tying it all together. And, and much of it, I can't actually, I, I haven't seen because I was crying, laughing too hard, but he is, his delivery and his like improvisation skills are just next level. He is so good. Also the voice of Sonic, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, oh yeah, so, I still haven't seen uh, those, that movie either. So. But him, that combination—I'd never seen uh, Sam uh, Richardson before in anything, and he's got like he's clearly made himself a bit lower. So so Ben Schwartz says Jasper can be this bigger character, but Sam Richardson's like delivery of his lines, his comic like timing is amazing. I can't, I really want to watch Werewolves within that because I saw he was in it. Yeah, so those two should, are fantastic. If you are a fan of political satire, you should also just catch him in Veep because Veep mm-hmm. is. I, I don't know if you ever watched in the in the UK. It was called In the Loop. No, called? I didn't. With, yeah, with um, Doctor Who, What's whose name is yeah, also escaping my brain. Peter, Peter G- G- Garibaldi. Capaldi. Capaldi. Yeah. Um. So it's a uh, by the same creator like they exist in the same universe just one is british and one is american but veep he's so good in veep as he starts out as like a a fairly low level aide and he's always just the guy who in the background like acknowledge like says the practical thing but he said and he's saying it among all these people who are acting so big and so ridiculous that every time he opens his mouth it's hilarious (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and he plays like just this total straight-laced nerd and it's it's he's always really really funny Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know how much we can more we can talk about the show because I don't want to spoil any part of it. Okay. But I, I will say, to... I will say yeah. that there the other thing that makes I think uh, Lauren and Miller great, and I guess in particular Miller because it's very apparent in the show is that so every episode is a different a a different genre, but all also told from the perspective of a different character. And so the show will really reward you, I think, if you're A, if you're paying attention, and B, if you rewatch it, because there's so many little details. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main one I can give you an example of is that, so there's uh, Ike Barinholtz's character is the ex-husband of Zoe Chow's character. And in every episode, Zoe Chow is wearing this very adorable outfit. She's wearing a black skirt and a red leather jacket and she looks and boots and she's she looks dynamite the whole time uh and in the episode that is from his point of view her shirt is a little more low cut and she's wearing fishnet stockings (laughs) and (laughs) And there's just and there's a and there's a ton of little stuff like that in every episode where Mm -hmm. not only like the big details of a given story will change as they come from a different point of view but a lot of the little details change too and i really appreciate that level of attention that they put into the show. Yeah. No, it's like, and uh, I, I mentioned that to you as well, how, how brilliantly subtle that was. And again, yeah. the whole thing is not overplayed. I'm going to spoil one episode. I'm sorry. Like we, we've mentioned all the episodes are from the perspectives of the different people. And uh, Ben Schwartz's Jasper used to be in a ska band with, <laughs> with Xavier. And he split up the Scar Band when Xavier went pop. And um, but but he's still like a recording artist, so he, he's at the party, the after party. He wants Xavier to bless his track <laughs> to bless his track. 
And, <laughs> and so his whole mind is music. So when we see his flashback, there are three songs in his flashback that are legitimate, absolute fucking, like, bangers. I think you're, you're, you're burying the lead that his episode is a musical. But yes, all three I'm, songs in his episode. And to be fair, yeah. his episode was like four or five weeks ago, so it's not that big of a spoiler. But Oh my god. Yeah, and it's all episode three, three, so you'll get to it quickly. Yeah, all three songs are, are genuine bangers, and written by John oh. LaJoy, who is always oh my funny. God. And the first one clearly is like him thinking, how how close to Lin Manuel Miranda can I get without being sued? Like it's so. Well, you see, you say Steve that. Hamilton. You, you say that, but at the same time, uh, ha, ha, being a, a longtime fan of John LaJoy, um, they are just they're purely John LaJoy songs. Like they, mm-hmm. like like they he has a he has a style, and these songs adhere to said style. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, but there's definitely like if you know your Hamilton, you'll definitely pick up the echoes. It's just so brilliantly done, and the three songs that are in there are um, fully choreographed <laughs> numbers. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a full blown, full blown musical. Are, are so brilliant, and Ben Schwartz is so brilliant in it. And honestly, the the most recent episode, I didn't like at all. Interesting. I like the, the the whole crux of the show is like episode three. Every episode is someone from this ensemble with a strong genre. And the last episode kind of takes us out of the ensemble and gives us a much more straightforward kind of story. And I'm well, yeah, like, it's a different, I, it's a, it's I, a different kind of, it's hard to talk about without, with spoilers, but yeah, where most of the yeah. other ones are, sort of heightened ones like there's an action movie episode and there's a musical episode and there's a psychological thriller episode and the most recent episode is just kind of a straightforward police procedural episode yeah um and i disagree that it takes me out of it but it also it focuses on a character that i don't necessarily think needs to be focused on exactly but no i agree but, uh, either is... way, it, it doesn't matter because next week is the finale, and oh, I kind of, you know, so you good. you've been watching it as it released, but I I had screeners for it before it was released, so I've been waiting for seven weeks, ten weeks to see the finale. Oh no, wait! You didn't get the finale in your screeners. <laughs> no, the screeners they only gave us episodes one to seven, so oh, uh, we've been no, waiting. That we've been waiting for the finale since since I watched it. Oh god, that would have driven me crazy. So yeah. my wife, my wife, who is really into the show and very, very intelligent, way more intelligent than me, she's doing the thing you do, where she's like, oh, do you want to know? Do you want to know what I think? And I'm like, yeah. no, no, I don't. <laughs> she's like, she'll watch something and go, oh, right. Like, do you want to know? Do you not know what's going to happen? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't get stuff, right? <laughs> I, think, I think I turn off, when I watch something like this, I, I think I pretty actively turn off the part of my brain tries to work out what's going to happen because I love the moment of revelation if I haven't worked something out. Like, it's it's a chemical high for me. Oh, we love and that she... moment too. It just comes a lot earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, she is utterly confident. She has now picked up on all the clues and she knows what's going to happen. I'm sure you do too. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't want to know. Don't tell I, me. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I have a theory uh, or at least I remember having a theory because it has been like 10 weeks since I watched this. But um, I also fully expect some major revelatory twist that's going to mess things up. In the yes, so. yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. So yeah, highly, highly recommended. It's one of the most entertaining things I've seen on as a TV show in a long, long, long time. Really yeah. brilliant. Well, that's the the after party. It is an Apple TV Plus uh, exclusive and original, and the finale episode will be airing on uh, this coming Friday, March the fourth. Uh, right. Which is, a, which is a great segue to the next show we're going to talk about, which is um, going to be premiering on Thursday, March the third. Ah, see what I did there? Date based wow. segue. Yeah. <laughs> Takes uh, skill to pull that off, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> It does. And you did it really well. Congratulations. 
Yeah, I know, right? Anyway, uh, The Dropout is a forthcoming Hulu or Disney Plus here in Canada series starring Amanda Seyfried and Naveen Andrews, and it is a dramatization of the podcast of the same name called The Dropout, which tells the story of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, which if you... have you Did you know anything about the show or the story going in? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the whole story. I just don't know how far-reaching the story actually is at this point. Um, I certainly followed the story with interest when it was all when it was peaking, when it all came out about what had happened and Mm -hmm. the whole all the shit hit the fan. I followed the story and then honestly completely forgot about her and it until the um, the. I, I, it's interesting, just before we got screeners for this, there was some article about her um, facing a, a continued charge of something, something, and then this came up. But honestly, I'd never given her another thought. It's uh, probably because the um, she was actually only recently, her her trial only recently finished. She was found guilty on about half of the charges she was charged with, and she's currently awaiting sentence, sentencing because her partner in crime... Sonny, who in the show is played by Naveen Andrews, is his trial is actually set to start in like a week, like nah, in the week after next, I think. So uh-huh. this is actually technically an ongoing story. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but basically, for those of you who don't know, Elizabeth Holmes was a young woman who wanted to change the world, and she, at a very young age, founded a company called Theranos and. Her whole thing was they were going to be able to produce or perform uh, life-saving blood tests on minuscule amounts of drugs uh, in a small or minuscule amounts of blood in a very small portable device. Uh, The company was worth at its height billions of dollars. She personally was valued by Forbes at like nine billion dollars. And from about 2000, this went on from about 2003 until just a few years ago, I think 2000. 15 or 16 is when the Mm -hmm. the big first article exposing them came out that the whole thing was a lie the whole thing was a lie (laughs) it was a 100% a fraud and this is an 8 episode dramatization of the whole story Um, I don't know how much it's you know on the one hand I want to talk I like I find this whole story very compelling I don't know how much we can talk about it, but on the other hand, it just happened in real life, so I don't really know how much we can spoil exactly. Yeah, it is an interesting one, isn't it? Like, if you've been following the story, there's no spoilers whatsoever, but if... I, I think we'll have to spoil some things to talk about it, um, but it is all like, you can just Wikipedia this and find out exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, well, how many um, of the episodes you've watched? So, we did get screeners for the first... There's eight episodes, so I think Simon, you've made it. You watched three watched of three. them, yeah. and uh, my wife and I have now watched seven, which is what they've given to us. So we again another situation we've seen all of it except for the finale. All right. Um, and I think we have differing opinions, but we'll have a. I think there's a mm-hmm. reason for that as well, which we've we've touched on earlier this week actually, but we will talk. So about more I I am you've talked you've talked about a certain shift after episode four i am totally fine with you spoiling the shit out of this in order to make your point i don't need you to to um tread in eggshells at all i don't i'm not sure if i'm gonna watch anymore um but even if i do i don't care if you tell me stuff that's coming up so maybe we should have a mild spoiler warning if you want to go into this completely blind maybe uh stop listening (laughs) yeah well so i guess we'll talk we'll talk a little more as spoiler free as possible about the first three episodes and i will try and explain my position regarding the remaining episodes without spoilers which is going to be slightly difficult but i'll do my best Mm. and if i think i can't do it i'll just peace out of it so um (laughs) so i mean first up what did you did you did you enjoy the first so i enjoyed the whole the whole thing Um, um i personally don't it's an interesting thing i that there's sort of a lot going on with the show in that a it's very recent and it's a story that I've been paying attention to. So there's not really a lot in it that I didn't know already Mm -hmm. uh, either because I have listened to a few episodes of the podcast and I also watched um, 
a documentary that HBO produced a couple of years ago called The Inventor, which basically is a two-hour version of this whole story using uh, interviews and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. I've also read the article that came out uh, by uh, John Carreyrou, who basically broke the story in the mid-2010s that Theranos was a fraud. Mm. I've read yeah. that article, that, at least the first article of that whole series. Uh, so there's not a lot that I didn't know. That yeah. being said, I don't think a great show necessarily needs to have surprises if it's well-produced, well-written, well-shot, and well-acted, and the show is all of those things. So, so my, my take on this is, is similar to yours. I haven't listened to the podcast, but I, I was very, very aware of the story, I, I, kind of fascinated with how far someone could get just by lying, although it's, in this day and age, it wouldn't surprise me anymore. But the... Um, uh, I think what I uh, there's nothing in this show that is, um, for me, a creative or interesting way to tell a story. I've seen. I feel like I've seen this story in different forms so many times before. Like the the style it's made, and like you've got a kooky inventor who's borderline sociopath at times who has a singular vision and who'll go through anyone to do it and um i do i do like stories where small steps lead to big repercussions so i do like that kind of she has to do this in order to to make this work and then she has to do another step to make that work and it's just a system of covers and covers leading to that big demo um in front of uh the pharmaceutical company i don't remember mm-hmm so I do, I do enjoy stories that kind of do that, that have someone, a, a person or a group of people covering up everything over and over and over. And it's like frog in a pot, isn't it? They don't realize how much shit they're getting into until they're deep in that shit. So I do like stories like that. But um, it, it, it doesn't, it didn't feel like I, there was anything uh, um, interesting for me in in how this is handled and that i knew i i knew the story so there was no wow factor and wow she really this is i can't believe she said this and did this because i i knew everything already um i the way it was portrayed i felt was was kind of cliched and it what some parts i know it was a rough cut we saw but some parts weren't particularly well made or done i thought amanda seafried was fantastic uh, i haven't I just on the point of Amanda Seyfried, I haven't really seen her in anything where I've thought, wow, she's good before. And maybe that's colored by Mamma Mia um, because I really, <laughs> I, I really, really hate that movie, but she is like really good in this. And yeah. so that that's impressed me. And there's no one bad in the cast. There's a, there's a guy I really like. Oh God, I'm so sorry. He's one of the engineers. Uh, Ut Utkarsh Ernbakka. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. I've no idea what that bunch of stuff is, but I really like him as an actor. And Avin Andrews is always good anyway. But um, yep. Amanda Seyfried has really impressed me. So if I keep watching, it will be to see what she does with her performance. Sorry, what were you going to say? So I will say that um, obviously it's worth pointing out that the screeners we had were a, a very rough cut. And I will warn you that if you decide to keep watching them, they only get rougher. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm sure that that's just a te- technical thing. They're rushing. They're trying to get the episodes done in time for broadcast. So the first, the show premieres with three episodes on Thursday, and those ones are pretty close to being done. But the later in the series you go, the more like missing ADR there is. And obviously, you know, temp effects and that kind of thing. Um, that doesn't generally bother me if I know it's why it's happening. Um, what, I guess what I will say is that I, I think a very good way to describe this show especially the first three episodes it's that is that it's a very good version of exactly what it is if that makes sense right like there's not a lot of surprises a lot of the story beats will feel familiar um there's no necessarily big revelatory thing or new exciting thing but everything about it is still good you know 
like mm-hmm. again like it's it, it like i said before like it's it's well shot it's well acted it's well written it's well produced it's not totally surprising but the performances are there enough is there that i think it's definitely worth watching mm-hmm. i think i agree too i think the i think the cast is uniformly great and it's got a pretty pretty great cast i mean amanda seyfried uh as in the lead with navin andrews they're uh, both, I believe, Academy Award nominees, I believe. Um, her for Mank and him, I believe, he was nominated, I think, for The English Patient, wasn't he? It's like his big thing. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, um, but it's got William H. Macy and Laurie Metcalf and Elizabeth Marble and Utkarsh Ambedkar. Uh, who else? Uh, Michael Ironside is in this. <laughs> Bill Ehrman is, is in this. Like, a lot and Alan Ruck is in this like lots of great uh, Kurtwood Smith, Sam Watterson um, it's basically a cast of a constellation of, of stars, of mm-hmm. character actors and they're uniformly great and Safe Read in particular really nails that sort of awkwardness that Elizabeth Holmes had in real life if you've ever seen her speak or interact in any way mm-hmm. it really nails her and I also think, and it's it's weird to think that I'm about to say this out loud, but this part was apparently originally meant to be played by Kate McKinnon. And I think that the change, and I don't mean to say this to disparage Kate McKinnon in any way, but I think that the change was 100% right. Mm-hmm. I really like Kate McKinnon. I think that Amanda Seyfried is a much better choice for the role. Why is that? Like, literally my only note about Amanda Seyfried is that I think she's a little bit physically too short. For the parts, I think Elizabeth Holmes was a taller woman in real life, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason for that is that the the part requires you to play the role from the ages of like nineteen to thirty five. And despite being only, I think, eighteen months different in age, I'm not sure that Kate McKinnon could really pull off eighteen <laughs> in the same way. Um, and I kind of worry that she might have gone. And to be fair, Kate McKinnon's a great actor she has a great range but it's the kind of thing where i kind of worry it might have gone just like it's it's the kind of role that needs to come right up to the brim but not go over you know and Mm -hmm. kate mckinnon is sort of at her best when she goes over (laughs) so i think that seyfried was was is probably a better pick for the role it's interesting yeah i at the end of episode three it kind of addresses something i was wondering which is uh, because we see um, a mix of 2017 interview footage that they've recreated and earlier Elizabeth Holmes, and the voice is completely different. The mouth is completely different. And so I I was thinking, oh, why, why, what on earth is Amanda Seyfried doing with that voice? Like, why is she doing that voice? And the show actually answers that mm-hmm. pretty pretty well, actually. It handles that really, really well. And um, what's my point? <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? Why did I start talking about this? The um, so oh maybe so Kate Kate McKinnon right? So Kate McKinnon, I think, has huge potential to do ah okay right okay when she's picking out her voice and it's director camera and she's trying this even her accent changed like she does this like really like drawly yeah uh like meaningful she wants to be her own steve jobs i could see kate mckinnon doing that kind of mental shift really really well i think she'd be fantastic in this i totally agree with you she would not have made a convincing 18 year old amanda seyfried looks 18. In fact, Amanda Seyfried has a problem making a convincing adult. <laughs> so yeah. maybe she's got the reverse problem. But um, uh, I think that that kind of sociopathic psychosis that's creeping in, uh, I think McKinnon would have done really, really well. But yeah, the, the younger scenes would have been a hard sell, definitely. Yeah, and again, I think that's just a difference of opinion, right? I think I don't think that Kate McKinnon would have been bad. I think it would have been just been different in a way that I might not have liked as much. Mm-hmm. right um and all of those scenes like there's a we sort of have to get into talking about the rest of the episodes to talk about a little bit more but um i think and this is just so 
I'm not going to spoil anything, but I am going to say why I think Simon should keep watching and why I think you should keep watching. The first three episodes are very good. There's a notable shift in tone in the fourth episode that continues through the rest of the series. And without going into any detail at all as to how or why this happens, I should have to go into some detail. Basically, so the first three episodes portray Holmes in a relatively positive light. Not like she's a hero or anything, but in a non-negative way. She's just an idealistic kid, probably on the spectrum, who wants to change the world, wants to grow up and form a company and change the world and eliminate needles because her mother hates needles and she faints at the sight of blood and all this kind of stuff. And there's a moment where it becomes clear that she's not just an idealistic kid who might be on the spectrum. She's a fucking sociopath. And there's a moment where Mm -hmm. it happens. And there's an earlier moment where she makes a choice and you're like, well, okay, that's fine. But then in episode four, it becomes clear, but no, no, she's just a sociopath. (laughs) And it takes a real villain turn with her. And it's already done a pretty good job by the end of episode three of establishing that Sunny that Nevin Andrews' character is not a good person. Mm. But that also becomes a lot more clear. And if you know anything about the the real-life trial that she's just been through, where she basically blamed... It, in real life, she's just said, it was all sunny. All of it. Oh. All of it was sunny. But the show makes it clear that they are equal partners. Like, he's an abuser, and he's a piece of shit, and he's very controlling. But there is many points in this story where she could have made the right choice and just didn't, and decided to keep, to carry on. And it's, it's, I find it, I mean, again, I've listened to some of the podcasts, and I've already seen the documentary, and I've read all the material, and somehow this story that I'm now experiencing for the fourth time remains compelling in the back half. And that is impressive to me. Do you, um, because you have knowledge of how it actually played out in real life, is the show um, sensationalizing it, the story? Like how, uh, this is something I thought a lot when I was watching the first few episodes. Is like, I don't remember the exact details of everything. And there's moments like um, the, the spilt blood vials, for example, when the, the guy comes over. Like how, how much of this show is a dramatization of the 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 kind of attitude of it rather than the day-to-day happenings of it do you know how truthful it is or do you do you think about that for the rest of it so as as far as i can i tell it's a pretty faithful adaptation of the podcast and i'm 100 sure there's some dramatization elements in it i mean i doubt Mm -hmm. they had access to like any scene that isn't in public must be invented, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, but I'm also sure that they, the the writers, the podcasters, and I mean John Carreyrou as well, had inside sources telling them these things. Mm-hmm, so I yeah. believe that, I and again I think this is an important distinction, and I think the reason why I think you should give at least episode four a chance is that. It does become clear. The first three episodes, again, she's it's not really negative, right? Like, she's really... Mm-hmm. It's not positive, but it's a non-negative portrayal of her sort of wanting to be the good guy. Mm-hmm. But it's... But in starting... It's like, it starts in episode three, but it really carries through in episode four, where she basically... She's basically... She's just a villain. She's a mm-hmm. weird, dark side version of Steve Jobs. Like, Steve Jobs, if he was actually full of shit. You know? <laughs> Um. So yeah, I think I think it's, I actually think it's more compelling in the back half than it is in the front half. But I do that's find just me. I I do find the the parallel. She's clearly obsessed with Steve Jobs and Apple, yeah. and Steve Jobs has many things. But the parallel is interesting because he he was a bullshitter, but he he was good at making what they actually had seem amazing. Whereas she is trying to talk about things that don't exist sound amazing. And I find that an interesting parallel. And at the, at the end of the third episode, she's just opened her 
store and gone full like black turtleneck. So I, I am interested in seeing where it's going. I actually think that uh, I'm curious about what else happens in a way because there's five more episodes of this and honestly by the end of three it's like well there, there can't be that much more of this story to tell because things are already pretty spectacularly falling apart in terms of people working out that this doesn't work and people working out the uh, the contracts aren't real and so I'm interested where five more episodes are going to come from in this story so so maybe I will keep watching I mean yeah it's um it's interesting because on the one hand he would think that <laughs> but on the other hand the the whole again it's hard to call this a spoiler because it's all sort of out there the show makes a really good use of jumping around time so even mm-hmm. though the end of episode three is the sort of closing of the walgreens deal which was a huge thing at the time mm-hmm. it's also still jumping back and forth but also that's when i mean the first three episodes kind of cover basically a decade's worth of years and then mm-hmm. the last five are covering a much shorter span of time in more detail mm-hmm. like john Carreyrou, the 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 again the journalist who wrote the initial sort of expose doesn't even show up until episode six. Mm-hmm. So like there's a lot of ground to cover in more meaningful detail. And I think that might actually also just be part of why it's a little more compelling. There's, there's a lot less jumping. There's a lot less jumping around. It still happens, but there's a lot less jumping around in time. And the rest of the story is told in a little more straightforward way. Um, and there's a much clearer distinction um, or progression of the story. And more importantly, Again, the show's portrayal of her changes, and also it's super interesting to see who figures out that it's all bullshit, and when, and why, and also who doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the people there's I mean there's clearly people in the story that you uh, who figure it out and never admit it. You know, like they who figure it out and keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that all becomes very compelling. So, I I think it's I think it's a pretty great show. I think they'll probably get a number of acting nominations this year out of it for yeah. Safe Read, probably Naveen Andrews. Stephen Fry is also in this, and he is kind of perfectly cast. This is the kind of character actor supporting role that gets people awards at the big shows, and I legitimately hope that he does. Um, Because his character's story is very melancholy and very sad, and if you know what happens in real life, then it's it it it's it's a little devastating, and it's literally her fault. So, um, like I say, the the back half of the story gets gets more compelling, and I think it's I think it's a really good show, and I think people should watch it. Oh, okay. So. Well, that's uh, that's a pretty strong recommendation from you because you've seen a lot this week. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, just, I would. Yeah. Uh, I will, I mean, so I mean, the after party. What would you give the after party out of five? Let's just do this now. Uh, oh well, without it finishing, that's tricky. You know, yeah. up until up until the most recent episode. Um, no, I'm going to go four. Like they, I am enjoying everything so much. I want to see how it ends. It could go up to a five, but at the moment, it's a four. How about right. you? Uh, for after party for me is also a four. Um, I think that if I was still giving half half points, I would I would probably give it a four and a half. It's pretty close to perfect. I know that you didn't like the most recent episode, but that most recent episode is still a pretty pitch perfect, loving homage of police procedurals. Um, what would you give the dropout? I'm guessing is three. Uh, it feels it feels unfair to I. I, I'd go two at the moment. Really? Like the, well, yeah, the performances are fine. Uh, are good. Like, I'm really impressed with Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. I just haven't seen her in anything where she's done this kind of uh, this versatility. She's like, she is full in on this, and she she's obviously staggering to look at, but she has got so much going on. Um, but the story for me is not one that is. Uh, I, I'm finding it incredibly cliched in the world, in the way it's 
telling its story. But I, I think I will carry on with it because I'm really interested to see, uh, to, to experience your take on it. So maybe I will well, carry on. For me, it's a, it's, it's probably a four out of five so far. Oh. I think, you know, the as with the other show and with most things, the finale could swing that one way or the other. But mm-hmm. I, I've been really enjoying it. And I fully admit that that might just be that I find the whole thing. And again, like, again, it's the fourth time I've been through this story and it's just been compelling every time. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I, it's so weird. I don't like, <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. capitalism, you know, it's fucked. <laughs> it um, <really> is. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a pretty strong recommend for me and it premieres on the mm-hmm. third, which is Thursday. So, yeah. So you should watch it. Yeah, you you at home should watch it if yeah. you want more. If you want some escapism, because God knows we need that right now. Maybe that's, go watch it. That's very true. Uh, well, on that bombshell, what are you up to this? We're watching. What are we watching this week? Are we watching anything? We're probably watching something. Um. Oh, thinking notes. I don't know. You're the organized one. You tell me what to watch, and I watch it. Um. What have we got coming? Uh, uh, yeah. So we we. Adam- we don't oh. we don't have anything we can talk about coming up this coming week <laughs> just yet, but we do know that Disney Plus is dropping on, uh, sorry, West Side Story is dropping on Disney Plus this coming Wednesday, I believe, on the second. Mm-hmm. So chances are, when we next see you on the sixth, we'll be talking about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, let's do West Side Story. My yeah. favorite film director uh, doing one of my favorite musicals. Uh, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, good. Awesome. Uh, well, on that bombshell, uh, we're going to say thank you for listening. Uh, we very much appreciate you. If you've liked what you've heard, you could give us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice. Uh, or tell two friends. Who can then tell two friends? Or tell two <laughs> friends. Either way, uh, we'd love to. If you'd like to support us more directly, we do have a Patreon and a Kofi, and you can find those all at Awesome Friday. .ca. Uh, we record this on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations. And uh, no, that's pretty much it. We love you. And we, and we absolutely do love you. So good yeah. luck. Stay safe out there. And we'll speak to you soon. Indeed. Bye! Bye!